Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason. Uh, Today's episode is a throwback to 2019 with Astrid Southam. Um, This episode was so uh, amazing to me because Astrid was 19 years old when this happened to her, this, this accident, this, um, we're going to get into it, but what, what I walked away from with this, um, conversation was the most, one of the most powerful things I've ever heard on this podcast. And, uh, I don't know if I've ever even said this, but, uh, it's something she mentioned. It's something I've thought about a ton and I I don't want to spoil it for you, but I, I feel like it's good to even mention here is, you know, so, with an injury, it can be so detrimental to our identity as adventure athletes. I know I've dealt with that with my knees. I I can't do, I used to be able to, you know, jump really high and dunk on people. I used to love to play basketball and dunk a lot. And and now I can't do that at all. And and it's just taken, that was probably four years ago now. And that's taken, um, definitely some readjusting in, uh, just, it, it's been wild and that's something small, you know, it's nothing like what Astrid's gone through It's nothing like what a ton of y'all have gone through, but it happens to so many of us and you might feel really alone when you're going through it. But something she said that was so powerful was, um, I want to get to the point where, uh, I'm glad it happened. I'm not just okay with it happening, this injury or this redirection in life, but I'm actually glad it happened. And she was, uh, inspired by someone that she saw who was also injured. That wasn't her thought originally. That was someone told her that, and then she told me. And I've heard that principle so many places since then. Um, People who have had something, and maybe they're not there yet, but I've heard it over and over and over that I'm actually glad that this thing happened to me and was a redirection. Heck, the interview I had yesterday was literally an injury. We actually, I'm going to talk about this soon, but the the episode I interviewed yesterday will be out in probably a month or six weeks or so. Um, the woman I was talking to said she got an injury, a shoulder injury, and that led to her entirely new career that she'd been doing the last 15, almost 20 years now, which is amazing. So, um, I just love that principle. I think it's important for folks who are constantly putting themselves in positions of potentially getting injured or potentially doing things that not considered dangerous necessarily, all these things. Some of them are, these adventure sports, but not all. Um, But potentially, uh, you know, having changes to your body that you can't control um, that might cause you to not have the abilities that you used to have or just different abilities. Um, I know now that I don't play basketball, I lean a lot more into cycling or a lot more into slowing down and enjoying things at a slower pace or, or just discovering all new sports together that, that don't give me the same troubles that a certain other sport does. So um, we get into all that in this conversation and I really enjoyed it. So let's go ahead and jump in. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, today we have Astrid Southam. Astrid, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, so uh, she's here to talk about um, honestly something that a lot of us are probably going through in one form of an- or another uh, when our body can't do what we want it to do because of an injury. Um, but it's also probably applicable as well for people just circumstances if they can't. You know, maybe they have. They love to do something, but you maybe a parent needs a lot of care 
or maybe they have just responsibility that's not allowing them to, to get out there. Or maybe it's like, you know, both you and I asked you with it, with an injury that's preventing them from doing what they love. Um, so yeah. I'm excited to get into it and, and ask you about it. But, but first, uh, could you let us know where you're coming from today? Uh, today I'm coming from Oxford in the UK. Oh, cool. Is that now, is that where you live and where you're from? Uh, it's not where I'm from, uh, but it is where I'm living now. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, I'm from Switzerland originally. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's that's yeah. fantastic. Wow. So that's a... Oh, I've been to Oxford once. It was lovely. Um, oh. I'd love to go back. Yeah, it's a very small, um, but it, it's, it is a lovely city, yeah. So, you know, you, you were talking about um, before uh, ha- having an injury uh, pretty young and then having to deal with kind of the aftermath of that. Uh, would you just like to get into it? Like, like w- what kind of sport did you, do you love and, and what happened at 19 years old? Um, so, uh, before, uh, I had this issue, um, I was a rower for nine years and I used to ride horses also. I was a rider for about 13 years and I did a bit of fencing as well. Um, generally loved to the outdoors and all that. Um, and, uh, when I went to university, uh, in the UK, actually, but in, in Nottingham, not, not Oxford. I, uh, I was a rower on the university team there, a single skull rower. And I'd had a few back problems in the past, minor stuff, um, nothing too serious. Uh, and I'd always had the all clear from the physio. Uh, in Switzerland, you have you get lots of follow-ups and they take really good care of you. And so they don't just sort of send you into the nether. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and um but so I, I always had the all clear from the the physio, but this time I I I had a few warning things that happened while I was rowing, like I'd get really bad days and I'd feel off balance and so I quit rowing rowing for a few months and following that one evening I um started getting uh, lower back pain and I'd had it before a few times and normally I'd just take some paracetamol and go to bed and be fine the next morning. And this time around, it, I took some paracetamol, I went to bed, I took some more paracetamol, and the pain just kept going up and up and up. It got to the point where I couldn't bear it anymore. And I, uh, mm. I tried to go downstairs to get some ice, because I thought maybe icing my back would be a good idea. And I got down the first flight of stairs. I lived in a house with two floors, and I lived on the second floor. I got th- down the first flight of stairs, and on the, on the landing of the second flight, I just had like an out-of-body moment and sat down and just completely phased out because the pain was just too much. It, it literally, the, I remember the event from above myself in the, in the upper corner of the, of the, um, of the staircase, it just unimaginable pain. And, um, my housemates found me and they called an ambulance. And well, at, at first actually we called like, there's like a, a non-ambulance number in the UK. It's like nine, nine, nine and, uh, one, one, one. And they uh, they advise you on what to do, and they were like, "Yeah, no, you need an ambulance, and <laughs> please don't oh my gosh. Please, please don't move, <laughs> because I lived really close to the hospital, and I was like, well, I could get a taxi, and they're like, no, just don't <laughs> don't move." <laughs> After a lot of painkillers and some time in the hospital, a few hours, they were like, "Listen, you're you're good to go home now with a prescription for um, diazepam, but you need to have an MRI right away." Like right away. And uh, they, the doctor I saw that night uh, in a said he thought I herniated a disc. And um, mm. I uh, ended up going home, actually, back to Switzerland. And there we did two MRIs. 
and they found that uh, the two last discs in my spine had split open completely. And a, a herniation is when the disc splits open and the sphincter, which is compressible, escapes. And it causes a kind of protrusion that impinges on the nerves. And that's why it hurts. What Do you know what caused it? No. So that's the thing that really baffled the pain specialist and the um, sports uh, doctor I saw, is that normally for someone my age at the time, so 19, uh, you, you have to have been hit by a truck or something. But you don't remember being hit by a truck or anything, right? I think I would remember that. <laughs> um, and I had no accident at any point. It wow. just seems that what what they hypothesized was that the quality of the discs to start with was very poor. Mm. They just through wear and tear, unbeknownst to me, just split open over time like an onion. And uh, I caught it. Basically, the inflammation became so great that it impinged the the nerves the sciatic nerves and um i had it so it was down the legs and around the waist and it is exactly the same pain as if you herniate but uh in my case it was it was just extreme inflammation and so we caught the discs literally probably days before they would herniate permanent damage was done so on the plus side you could discs the cartilage that forms the disc can fix itself so they said well you you can recover from this injury, um, but it's going to take a really long time. And there are three different options, basically, in today's world in sort of medicine for that type of problem. And uh, the first and the obviously the, the worst one is, is surgery. And I was told by absolutely everyone, don't do surgery. You're 19. Definitely, definitely don't do surgery. The other um, solution is um, co- uh, cortisone injections. Uh, silicone injections and what they do is they inject silicone into the disc so it freezes it and then they inject um, cortisone into your into your spine to, to neutralize the pain because when your nerves are being impinged like that you're teaching your nervous system to be in pain basically and you're teaching that's that's the baseline that's what's normal and so the, the actually the biggest danger of a spinal injury is is permanent pain permanently damaged nervous system and so they they were very keen to act on that but because 19 they didn't want to do the injections so what'd you do well they said we're going to try the third option which is physiotherapy and uh they gave me a a sort of a three-month trial period to see how i would respond to physio and if the pain levels didn't go down in that time then we would do the injections but the at the time it, like looking back on it and me talking about the injection sounds like the obvious solution because it just gets rid of the problem of pain and it gets rid of the, the danger of herniation right away. But the thing is that cortisone's really not good for you. You the basically cortisone will affect your bone density oh, on the long term. So that's not ideal. And I would see those effects coming in like around 40, 50 years old because I was 19. And so the they were very reluctant to do that. And I, at the time, I was in so much pain. I was just like, I don't want needles anywhere near my back. Thank you very much. Right. I'm not usually squeamish about these things, but please no. Um, and it's five injections of, of uh, cortisone and three of silicon. So it's it's not nothing. So um, we decided to go with physio and lots and lots of painkillers. <laughs> and um, so that's uh, I went back to university after two weeks and then 
continued my studies just on a heck of a lot of painkillers. And I actually have absolutely no memory of March and April 2014. Nothing. It's all gone. I have absolutely no idea what happened during those few months. Why is that? Just just the pain? or, or... No, the painkillers. All oh, the painkillers. Holy cow. Yeah. It, there's an adaptation period where your body sort of gets used to the doses that they were giving me were, and they were very high. And, um, well, that resulted in me not having it like any long-term memory of that time. I just, I can't remember that time. Um, but I was really well surrounded and my friends were amazing and helped me. They, they, because I couldn't carry anything. My physio, uh, in the UK said, don't even go to lectures with a bottle of water. If you want water, you carry an empty bottle of like a plastic bottle, you fill it at university, you drink it at university, and then you put the empty bottle back in your bag. Um, so I went to lectures with a piece of paper and a pencil, literally. Um, <laughs> so yeah, obviously painkillers, high doses of morphine are not ideal for studying. And I did fail one of my exams. Um, but fortunately, um, they let me sit it again in the summer when I was, when I'd quit. Killers. Yeah, that was an interesting few months. Wow. The the physiotherapy was uh, obviously the the hardest bit besides just dealing with the pain. I mean, I'm I won't like go into the details. It's really boring. But it, I mean, I literally I started. I was too weak for the the, the swimming pool. They didn't want to put me in water because when you're in water, you're suspended, and so you can injure yourself further by pulling a muscle. Because if your muscles haven't been in any way atrophied, you can really, you can do further damage. Anyway, they put me on a stationary bike and I was allowed to do five minutes per day with no resistance. And then I got to stretch for 20 minutes and there were three kinds of stretches I could do. Um, and it was... <laughs> so you got really my- good at those three stretches. Oh my goodness. Um, and I, I had no mobility. I could hardly turn my... Sh- sort of from left to right, and I couldn't bend forward at all. I have no mobility whatsoever. I was extremely stiff, and um, because of the painkillers and the side effects, I lost a lot of weight really quickly, and I went from being sort of a, a competitive rower to uh, basically a stick figure because I, I couldn't eat. I, the painkillers made me really sick. It was just not pleasant at all. And then the other sort of thing I was looking at was that when they when I started the physio my physiotherapist who's an amazing amazing woman uh said listen like we'll we'll try and get you back as much as possible but you got to realize that it's going to take like four or five years and you might never be pain-free and you probably will never be at 100% again and so at the time again I was really sedated so I don't think it had the impact on me that it would have had on a sort of fully present but uh, yeah, it was not like the the prettiest picture in the world. I guess what I wanted to share with people is that I had a really negative prognosis. And I mean, I wasn't going to die. And I probably wasn't going to end up in a wheelchair if everything went well. But it was just not great news for a 19-year-old to hear. Yeah. So, so what what was your mindset during that time? It was a mixture of like lots of different feelings. Uh, part of me was just really clinical and I just got to get out of here. I've got to get out of this situation and I just have to do whatever is necessary to get out of here because the, the pain was just, pain is a really good incentive to, to get better. <laughs> it sucks so much. Wow. Um, and um, I, I just was really, 
it wasn't even determination or motivation. It was just, there was no question in my mind. The other, the sort of flip side of that was uh, a lot of rage against the situation. Oh yeah. It seems so unfair. I mean, just totally unfair. (laughs) Yeah. It was just like so much, it was like pure rage, more than anger at just the whole situation and the everything the the i literally i felt like throwing furniture around at times well that would that would hurt your back <laughs> yeah I, I could i could barely pick up like a glass of water so well you you could throw an empty water bottle around yeah that's true <laughs> that actually um but it was just really frustrating and i had my hobbies taken away from me and it was made very clear by my doctors that i probably would never be able to to practice those hobbies again. And what were they? Uh, rowing, riding, any sport really involving running uh, mm-hmm. or any impact sport. And my physio was like, just running is literally the worst thing you could do right now besides jumping off a tall building. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's literally the worst thing. So uh, that, that was, and I really enjoyed running and I just, it was very frustrating. And to a certain degree, the painkillers and the the doses I was on helped mitigate that frustration. But it meant that I also did remain really, really driven towards my recovery. And um, I would um, like my motivation, because all I got to do was this in terms of like, besides studying, was um, my five minutes on the on the stationary bike and my stretching. And also, oh, uh, in the gym, in the, in the university gym, they would they would always have keeping up with the Kardashians on, in front of Mary Vice. It's just like, why, why am I, why am I here? It's pure American inspirational television, right there. It was not what I needed. During this. <laughs> I don't think it's ever been what anyone needed. <laughs> But uh, I would motivate myself by sort of being able to eke my fingers down my legs a little bit further when I was stretching. So, you know, I had to do one of those sort of just like when you're sitting on the ground with your legs out straight and you sort of lean forward, except I couldn't lean really. So I would just sort of have my hands down on my shins and sort of inch my fingers forward just a millimeter and that would that would be excruciating. That would be the, like the biggest stretching exercise known to human humanity. Um, but that's how I'd motivate myself is by like knowing that it was a tiny bit more than before. <laughs> and gradually over over time and months, it it turned into ten minutes on the bike and then fifteen and adding a bit more resistance. And my uh, with my physio, we sort of um, determined a pain scale where I would rank my pain from zero to ten. And that would allow me to assess how much discomfort I was in, but also um, if I should be taking more or less painkillers. And it was it, it was a strategy to wean me off opiates as quickly as possible. Were you having problems with those? Uh, no, but because I was on them for about six months and I was taking very high doses, they were uh, keen for me not to stay on them for too long one because i mean the, they're obviously very addictive but two they, they do really ravage your body um they, they do a lot of damage to your liver to your stomach lining and in my case i also suffered quite badly from side effects and nausea and just feeling awful and um yeah really not too pleasant the other the other thing is that it it, it is impossible to get a degree when you're taking uh <laughs> 
you know, 160 milligrams of codeine every day. It's just not possible. <laughs> I, I can only imagine, honestly. It really is not possible. I, I tried and I did fail one of my exams, um, although I was allowed to reset it. And so I was also very determined to come back for my second year of painkiller free to be able to, to continue my degree because otherwise it would just be, be too much of a suffer fest. When did it start to hit you after months or maybe even a few years of like, wow, this is limiting or did, or did it get a lot better? Um, it was, uh, some of it was very reflective and I, I talked to, to my, my dad has three herniated discs. And so he really was really helpful to me in terms of maintaining sort of a balanced point of view on the situation. And dad's a dad's someone who is really outdoorsy and he sort of loves sports and he has been really limited by his injury and has been for many years. So so it was somewhat genetic then. Well, what the um, it, it's not like a, a genetic deformation or predisposition, but what what the doctors reckoned is that I might have the sh- the my spine might be shaped the same way as him, and that might make us predisposed to that type of injury. So there's no way of proving this, obviously, but um, that was the hypothesis because it's a bit of a weird coincidence. Uh, Dad's herniated L2, L3, L4, and I've really screwed up L5, S1, and L4, L5. So it's like the lower back, so probably the curvature of our spine or something. Yeah. Well, that's what they thought anyway. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. Hey, folks, I want to give a shout out to our newest sponsor, The Bourbon Pursuit. It's a podcast all about bourbon, the craft of bourbon. And you might be thinking, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of bourbon. I like bourbon, but I'm not, I don't love bourbon. Well, this show's probably going to change that. What I've learned is that even things I don't feel like I'm interested in, if someone can explain it to me why it's interesting or what the craft behind it is, I find myself getting more and more interested in it. And I could absolutely see bourbon being one of those things. Uh, as you know, I work for a non-alcoholic brewery, but I, you know, I still enjoy a good alcoholic drink. Not, not much. You know, I'm a busy guy, so I can't drink too much. But I do enjoy a good bourbon. Um, when we got married. My wife and I got some bourbon as a gift, and I just had never considered it till then, and and I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Uh, But since, it's kind of just fallen off. Life's gotten busy. But I am excited to learn more through the Bourbon Pursued podcast. They are the official podcast of bourbon and the best source of all bourbon news, reviews, uh, interviews with CEOs, distillers, ambassadors for, for, for the industry. They are where you go to get news and interesting information about bourbon. So join the hosts, Kenny Coleman, Ryan Cecil, and Fred Minnick on an epic bourbon adventure. You can subscribe and follow them wherever you get podcasts. And I can't thank them enough for supporting a fellow creator like me. Uh, And they're just, you know, a couple people working on a show just like me. So if if you want to support them and thank them for what they're doing uh, for Adventure Sports Podcast, go check out bourbon pursuit that is plenty of that for now let's get back into the episode yeah my my dad and i have the same problems with our knees and uh i often talk to him about it because it's just now starting to develop for me and limit me and uh and so i love hearing from people like you that that are still doing awesome things and 
have adapted and not looking at it so negatively like you know you're it's it's tempting to and I'll talk yeah. to my dad and dads just have really good perspective uh he'll be like oh son just here's what you do you just do this and this and and then, then you just kind of tough it out a little bit and you'll have a great life and I'm like yeah you you've really been an awesome dad despite all those limitations I never noticed as a kid and so I don't mm-hmm. need to go into my parenthood with our young child and think that you know I'm going to be so limited to do so much when I, I didn't feel that way with my father who was in the same boat, you know? Mm, yeah. And I think it, for me, there were like two or three people who are just really important to me. Not that I don't think they were maybe really that aware of how important they were to me, but in my mind, they were just sort of beacons where I was like, I can do it. They can do it. I can do it. And dad was definitely one of those people. And then I had a friend, uh, well, I have a friend, um, and I met uh, at university, um, Alex, and she um, is a former Welsh team kayaker, the competitive kayaker. And she has had three different surgeries on her spine. Um, they put plates in to support her back to avoid her um, her spine collapsing. Wow. I was like, we're talking like really, really major spinal surgery. And just, I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine what it must be. I mean, I at least stayed off the operating table and she's been on it three times. And what the first night I was, well, the first day I got back home after being hospitalized for the first time, I was really zoned out. Uh, they gave me a lot of diazepam to get through the first few days. I, I couldn't move. And she came to see me, um, in my uh, accommodation at university, and she brought me a, a lemon muffin, and uh, just that gesture, the lemon muffin, and she, it meant the world to me because I knew that she knew what I was going through, and she'd experienced it. It's not just the physical pain, which is really there. There's no vocabulary for it. It was also the psychological fear of just my back is broken. That that's just so isolating and lonely. And she really was just in that moment, she was really instrumental to me sort of coming back and being like, it's okay. Alex has done it. She's gone. She's done it with much worse. And so it should be possible for me to come back. Wow. Um, yeah, that, that was really helpful. And then the third person was actually um, about a year after. So my, my, my spine collapsed, my physiotherapist, I was talking to my physiotherapist about my struggles with sort of mobility and um, and also stiffness. I was really stiff. I, I was having trouble um, sort of moving around just because I was so tight. And um, she th- said, "Well, why don't you try uh, Pilates? Uh, it's really good for strengthening your your deep core, which is something you need to do because your 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 spine's never going to be good. So you need to strengthen the deep core muscles so they support your spine." And do the job that your discs are not doing. And at, at first, I was a bit skeptical. I I didn't think much of yoga and all that kind of stuff. And I tried it once, and I didn't really like it. And but I still went to those Pilates classes. And the teacher there, I I went to speak to her at the beginning to explain that I was I was injured and I couldn't do everything she'd be teaching. And uh, she uh, she was like, Yeah, no problem at all. Um, I've actually had a back injury, and um, I'll just I'll just let you know. What you what I should should do? I'll just tell you, and uh, and and that way you you don't have to worry about it at all. And that was I was like, oh wow, okay, this is great. And a few weeks later, I I told I told her a bit more about it. I got to one of the lessons early, and uh, 
Uh, so we ended up talking and she told me that when she was 14, she had a trampolining accident and uh, she was misdiagnosed at, the, at A&E and they just sort of told her to go home and rest. But she'd actually broken her spine and wow. uh, she ended up not, I mean, she lost her, her legs. She ended up not being able to use her legs and so had to go through really intense rehabilitation. And yeah. when she around like when i met her she was in her 60s and uh she, she you could see from her gait that there was something off with her her sort of motor functions but she was still walking around and you know going about her life and she said thanks to pilates like and the strengthening exercises and just the sort of the the constant daily uh maintenance of these muscles i was able to re-educate myself and, and learn how to walk again and i mean she said i the thing she said to me which was just really so enlightening was she said i wouldn't if today i had the choice to go back to when i was 14 and change that moment where i broke my back i wouldn't because this led to me having a particular life and i think i've had a better life as a result of this injury and at yeah. the time i was like not in that mind space i was just so wasn't resentful but i was just like if i could go back i would definitely change it but when she she said that i was like i want to get to a place in my mind where i can say that to someone one day yeah and and just be able to say i wouldn't go back and change it because of xyz so that was a really a year into my recovery that was a really important moment for me and uh, she really really helped yeah it was it was a really important moment for me and uh, she helped me in a way sort of accept that this is just the way way things work now. And you got to sort of accept that the injury or the aftermath is part of your life. And you can't just sweep it under the rug and pretend it's not there. It's definitely there. And you should respect it. But you shouldn't change your life in a, in a, in a negative way for it. I think you can definitely shape your life and have a just as positive a life as you would have if you weren't injured, mm -hmm. but you just have to do it differently. There's like a, it's a different way of doing things and, uh, and just accepting the situation whilst not submitting completely. Yeah. Um, I think there's like a, a balance there that you can strike and that's how you go forward in like a positive mind frame. And that's what I try to do. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I mean, there's so much truth in all that. I, I, I remember I was probably 19 or 20 in college and I was telling my dad all my problems or all the things that were on my mind. And he was just like, son, that just sounds like life to me. And uh, <laughs> he said, the moment you stop looking at all these things as, as diversions from the, your life and, as, and start looking at them as actually your life itself, you'll stop saying, you'll stop trying to avoid all these quote problems and all these quote inconveniences mm. and realize that, no, that's the path that you're on. That's the path you're supposed to take. And it was very transformative to me. And, you know, and, I, and, and, and to say that, to go back to, to your inspiration, you know, I think back on anything, anything that's been like that in my life and in the life of a lot of people I know, it is hell to go through. Um, yeah. Like it is, it's just absolute hell and, and it's so unfair and, and you feel like, why me? But you do get to a point with each and every one of those situations with enough time, most people will get to the point where they say, I, I wouldn't change it. I, I, I know that my parents, they're, they had me um, 
on accident and uh it was hell for them because they were very young and uh it was just not the plan at all they they were not even really together and obviously they're just like we would never change starting a family when we did because looking forward it just seems like how the hell am i going to figure this out but looking (laughs) back it's like man i couldn't even imagine life without life without you now and yeah this you know i I can't i don't know what that looks like for you um but there's going to be just a way you look at life and a way that you treat every day that someone who hasn't gone through this just doesn't have the capacity to understand the capacity to appreciate the smallest of moments and the smallest of joys whereas someone who's gone through what you have and continues to will have that capacity and how much more enriching of a life that is of an entire lifetime of looking at life with every little beauty in mind rather than totally gazing over it all and not caring. Yeah. It's, I I think it does. It it really does have like positive. There's a pot, there's a positive impact impact. I mean, the first and most obvious thing, and I've heard so many people say it, even with really sort of what would seem like minor injuries in comparison, like, uh, broken ankles or sprains and stuff with the like oh I, you know you really you become so uh complacent and you 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 really take things for for granted like the, the ability to run or or throw a ball and that you become really yeah you just take it for granted and then it goes away and then you really value it when it comes back um and definitely um i you, you get that with at least for 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 a spinal injury the like the first time you get to do something again it's it's like you you've just won the lottery <laughs> and somehow gotten yourself to this point where you're able to to do something again um and it can be really things that wouldn't occur to to most people like most people would think of oh you know going for a run or I don't know, rowing again. But for me, for instance, traveling without without being on painkillers, like the first time I did that, that was really scary to start with, not being on painkillers while traveling. But it was just like, it was like, oh my goodness, like I can travel without being sedated because of pain. And uh, that was, yeah. And it just opens up again the possibility of going on a road trip or, you know, taking the train for a few hours to go see some friends instead of confined to a particular location yeah and obviously there's things like being able to do sports again and and for me I really early on decided to leave the past in the past and decided not to go chasing after rowing or riding rowing especially which is my my passion one because uh because I knew I would probably end up comparing myself to how it was before and if I I just didn't want to go back and try and take back something that was obviously over, even though I've had an amazing recovery and I, I still really hope uh, that I can sort of, you know, lower the pain levels I live with, which are already really low considering. And that I've, I, I mean, I have, I've been so fortunate in my recovery, but I don't want to go chasing after something that that's gone. That's just behind me now. And I, I, I would rather look for something new. The philosophy I had when I was recover, sort of starting to be recovered enough to think about maybe what I could do as a sport besides, you know, my daily physio, I kind of thought to myself, well, there's literally hundreds of sports out there. <laughs> yeah. Why would I obsess over something 
that I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to do anyway. And that I've been advised by doctors not to do. Uh, it's ridiculous. And so that's how I sort of started looking for, for new, new things and uh, ended up uh, coming across uh, climbing. And that's how I started climbing. And now climbing is, is, uh, is okay for your, your back? Yeah, so climbing actually uh, is wonderful. I, I sort of tried it on a on a hunch. I thought, well, it's a no impact sport in principle. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> in principle. In principle, and uh, it's it's a sort of a full body sport, and it it's also strategic. There's a lot of thinking involved. I thought maybe maybe it'll be suitable for me, and mm-hmm. I tried it, and I absolutely loved it. And uh, I discovered a, a completely new passion I was absolutely not a, aware of. And, and I, um, I, f- I felt even more strongly about climbing than I did about rowing. I just love it so much. Really? Yeah, yeah. It really surprised me. That's really encouraging. Yeah. And th- that's the thing is that I, I genuinely like climbing more than I, I, I liked rowing. And I loved rowing. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It kind of forced you to discover this passion you didn't necessarily know you had. Yeah, and 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 uh, and I didn't even know it was like a thing, really. I mean, I was sort of vaguely aware of it as, but it was really, I didn't really know anything about it, and and so I, I started climbing. And I actually, at the time, I was doing a year abroad. I was living in Hong Kong, and um, there you need like a license to be able to to climb with ropes. So you to lead, you need a license. And it cost, it's quite expensive. And um, so I didn't want to spend the money on the course. So I decided to go bouldering instead. And that's how I got into bouldering. Um, and what bouldering did as well was to give me back confidence in my body. Because even though I was sort of three years down the line from my back breaking, I still lived very much in fear. And anything that jolted me or p- sort of put stress on my back would sort of cripple me with fear. I was so afraid of getting uh, set back. I remember very vividly the first time I fell bouldering because I was adamant that I couldn't fall. I would down, down climb everything. I wouldn't try any dynamic moves, nothing. I, uh, I fell once, I slipped, and I just was absolutely bricking it when I hit the ground. And then I just sat up and I was like, well, actually, I'm fine. So wh- why is that okay for your back then? Well, the thing is that um, I, if you know how to fall, you you're not you're not falling sort of. It's not a direct impact to the sort of center of your spine, if that makes any sense. Yes. Like yeah. Falling sort of basically take a, a martial arts fall, and and the other thing is that at that point I'd been doing Pilates every day for a year. When I started Pilates, I quickly realized that. Um, whenever I did it, it made me feel less pain because my muscles were less tight. And so I got into the habit of doing it every day. And then I got into the habit of doing it every morning before starting my day. So I'd wake up early and do uh, 45 minutes of Pilates. And then I'd start my day. And uh, I've, I've, I still do that to, to this day. Wow. <laughs> um, it's, it's warming up in the morning. That's, it's exactly like warming up before playing a, a, like a game of football, except I warm up for the day so I can sit in a chair without being in pain and I can go about my life without being in too much pain. And also what that's done is that it's built and maintained deep core muscles that support my spine. The other thing that it's done is it's really made me flexible. I used to be so stiff and uh, I, I never, never had any flexibility 
especially not in my legs as a rower. Since since starting that, like I end my session with stretching, and uh, it's it's uh, made me a lot more mobile, a lot more flexible. When I started climbing, I had already reached a really good baseline of flexibility and strength, and that's basically what enabled me to uh, both to climb and also to stay fall without without endangering myself at all. And the thing with the the um, the discs in my spine is that the cartilage does fix itself. And so once the, 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 the cartilage is, is um, sort of, uh, has, has sort of rebuilt itself, the disc in principle is intact and there's no risk of radiation unless you split it again. So it doesn't take away from the fact that the quality of the disc is terrible and there is always going to be a risk of there being another injury. But it it does it does mean that I I could hit the ground and I would be completely fine because the, the initial damage is not there. So what what climbing did was one show me that I I could take more punishment than I thought I could and be completely fine, and that I could be a little bit bolder and and keep going because I didn't cripple myself permanently by taking a two meter fall from a bouldering wall. And uh, it did take a long time for me to then be able to do dynamic moves and and really climb harder uh that that took time because you have to just rebuild confidence and um although uh self-confident like confidence in your body confidence that you can you're going to be okay it's, it's really to rebuild it, it does come back fear of pain uh, that's something that i i still struggle with less and less over the years but i've had a couple of occasions where i've hurt myself and it, it's felt painful and uh or it's triggered a, a sciatic sort of event and that's re- that really cripples me with fear it's like a, a kind of a panic of just frenzied thoughts and just hysteria i get it's really weird because i don't get scared normally but when something like that happens it's like you, con- you can't control it, it just sort of completely comes you and um, because there's this fear of being in pain again, but also of, of being back at square one. O- over time, I've managed to sort of mitigate that a bit more and have like rational thought patterns to try and not completely lose it. Just once I, I, I fell and I, I hurt myself and I was like, it's okay. Just become really good at pull-ups. I'm going to be the best person. I could just do tons of pull-ups. <laughs> um, and just tr- try and distract myself uh, from total sort of the, the well, what you can't do yeah exactly and um and i do think about it sometimes i'm like what if what if i were set back uh several years or what if you know some freak accident or i don't know what but i think having gone through it once you sort of retain that philosophy of just being like you just get through it mm. you it's not about motivating yourself someone asked me that once i was i was doing core exercises at the climbing gym and it was this guy and he was, he climbed really hard and he was like, well, how do you motivate yourself to do all these like core exercises? And I was like, it's not motivation. It's I've got to do this to be able to walk around. And uh, yeah, and it's, it's not motivation. There's no motivation. It's just, I just do it. And um, I think that's probably the key to sort of long-term recovery is not needing to motivate yourself. It just becomes part of your life. That's your lifestyle. It's what you do. And I guess it's kind of like changing your diet. You can't just go on a diet. You gotta 
gotta change your diet. That's that's your diet now. Right. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe it's the same thing, uh, but it's more the mentality around it. You gotta have a, a positive but constructive mentality. Yeah, I, I you know I hear from a lot of people. And I think you're kind of alluding to this when when they have an injury, especially when it's not you know totally debilitating in the sense of like there's signs of it early on yours was very debilitating at first but now thankfully you have some mobility and can do things people say that that kind of whips you into shape to take care of yourself much more diligently than you would have before because before you know i'm a victim of this (laughs) i just kind of relied on my youth to just get me through anything i would just pound my body into the ground not take care of it not stretch not take care of my diet or, or, or really pay attention to anything because my body just kept going. It just wouldn't stop. And then it, now it does. And I'm like, wow, I, I really need to totally revamp my lifestyle, my diet, my practices, what I, how I manage my self care every day. And honestly, I'm a lot better person and in a lot better health because of that. Now you probably would have never been so diligent without something like this kind of looming over you to say, take care of yourself. Yeah, definitely not. I, I was terrible as well. I would I would do sort of sort of do stretches and sort yeah. of do strength and conditioning ish. But um, I was never very diligent about it. And like what you're saying about youth is so true. Um, and I, I saw it also with my peers in sports, just people who pound themselves into the ground and without really realizing the, the long term effects of what that is that's going to have um like you can't just constantly smash your knees or your back or your shoulders and expect to get get away scot-free like that's definitely changed the way i think about it and and it's like also when 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 i go climbing for example like i need 20 minutes to warm up i can't just jump on the wall my my body just doesn't do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, so it it was running joke always with my friends uh, that like I, I mean, in 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 reality, my body's like sixty five. It's just, it's. I'm not not really in my twenties. I'm just I'm just an old person masquerading, um, and uh, it just you just gotta have a, a like a healthy amount of respect for that. I think it, I don't think it it should stop anybody if if they're doing it in the right way and they're doing it safely. I definitely don't think people should just jump back in on the horse right after an injury and just be like, I'll be fine. But it's if you're following the steps of physiotherapy and recovery and you're able to do it, but you need to warm up for 20 minutes, then warm up for 20 minutes. That's just the way it is. And uh, I guess that's just it's it's sort of hard to accept maybe when you're younger. Yeah. Well, we're not patient when we're young, you know. Well, <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Yeah. And I think also when we're young and we haven't really experienced all of life where we also sort of neglect the effects of certain things and maybe we don't appreciate what it's like to not have that kind of dynamic ability to bounce back from anything. And, um, uh, I was talking to a kid at the climbing wall. He must be like 16 or 17. And he was like, yeah, I really hurt my shoulder a year ago. And, uh, it's, it's just, I've got so much physio to do and, and all that. And I was like, kid, I know exactly what you've, you know, I know exactly what you mean, but you just have to keep at it. And you're, you're 17, you're going to be fine. Like, 
it's, you're going to be fine. Just take care of it. Don't, don't ignore it. (laughs) Don't, yeah, don't, you can't ignore the fact that you've been injured and then just sort of try and push through it. That's how you do permanent damage. It's definitely not like the most enjoyable process in the world to have to do physio for weeks or months or years. But I mean, that's just, that's just the cost. That's just what it takes. It takes, you know, years to recover from a spinal injury and that's just the way it works. Yeah. But if you want to recover, that's what you got to do. Yeah. So so what, what would you say, what would you say that you, uh, the, the, um, state of your, uh, back and spine is right now? Are, Are you happy with kind of what it allows you to do or is it improving or is it stable at least or what do you, how do you describe it? It's definitely stable. I think, um, so structurally it's, it is technically fixed and the pain that I feel is it's basically the nervous system being, having been traumatized doesn't really know what it's like not to have any pain at all. Mm. And it doesn't know anymore. Um, and there's a name for what this is and I, I can't remember what it is. Um, but it, I do have very low levels of pain, but they don't require painkillers and they don't impede my lifestyle in any way anymore. And, um, I, I, the, the ex, sort of, so the Pilates I do and, and, uh, climbing do help sort of stretch the mus- muscles and, and manage all of that. Um, and I think the, in terms of the pain, I've seen like a very gentle decline mm-hmm. in the baseline over, over the last two years. So uh, the pain went down, uh, faster in the big sort of in the middle when I was getting better. And I was also further away from the actual date of injury. And then it tapered out and kind of plateaued. And I think, I think it's going down still. I don't know. Um, I, I did lose, um, so I, I have, I've basically walked away without any consequences about besides sort of, uh, chronic pain, uh, except for I've, I've less, lost sensation in my, uh, in my big toes. Um, so I've, I've no like topical sensation in, in my, in my toes and, uh, occasionally I'll get really sharp, sharp pain in my, in my feet in my, in my toes right. specifically. And uh, I have a friend who's a doctor and he said, it's possible that either it's sort of ghost pain and it's nerve misfiring in recent, in re- in recent sort of years, there's been research that has shown that sometimes over time, the neurons that do that form the nerves can sort of uh, build new pathways again, and you can regain some sensation. And so th- the, the the appearance of this pain in my feet has has made me like think maybe there's still stuff going on in in, in my body that I'm not actively aware of and it is getting better still yeah at least that's what I hope <laughs> um, but it's uh, definitely it I think that I've I've come a, back a lot further than I thought I would because I was told that I would never run again and I have run I I'm virtually pain pain free. And I mean, it, it was really on, on the, the prognosis was so negative and just, it, it, it was, they, I guess they were trying to keep my, to sort of, they were trying to, to, to let me know that this was a very serious thing that had happened, that I should expect things to get better too quickly. But I also think that 
because I uh, I adhere so strictly to the physio exercises and to the Pilates, and I put so much effort daily into recovery. Yeah. Um, it, it did have a, a better outcome than was expected. Um, certainly, um, they they were surprised by how well I was doing and how well I was sort of coming back from from all this. And I certainly never thought I would be able to run again. I mean, really have an active lifestyle again. And and I can, I do. <laughs> wow. Well, congratulations on the diligent work and being able to have an active lifestyle. I know that now you're not going to ever take it for granted. Um, <laughs> you know, it. I just, I don't know. I just didn't know this world existed even just a few years ago. So you know, when you're thrown into this world, it's almost like when, you know, life just happens, you, you realize lots of other people are going through it and you just didn't know that it was even happening because it just was so off your radar. Yeah. Um, but now it's, it's very encouraging. Sorry, my dog is sleeping at my feet and she dreams <laughs> whimpering in her sleep, but, uh, hopefully you don't hear that, <laughs> but, um, no, I, I didn't. No, she, it's cute. It's cute. But if you hear a little the chirping like a bird, it's her. <laughs> Aw, that's adorable. But, uh, yeah, she's a sweetheart. No, this is just, it's very encouraging. I just think a lot of people are going through this, especially as they age, yeah. but not always kind of like us, you know, it's early to mid 20 or before your 20s in your case. And life is just different from that point on. It's one of those moments, those pivotal moments in life where things are different now. And yeah. um, it applies with any major change in life, whether that's emotional, physical, uh, mental, even, um, you know, relationally, it, it's, it all applies. This can develop you further as a human and somehow bring a positive impact. And absolutely, I'm definitely glad that, that you're, you're in such a good mindset. Yeah. And, and like, if I think back to, to what my Pilates instructor said to me today, I don't think I would go back and change it. it. It's, I definitely, definitely don't ever want to experience anything near it ever again, but I don't think I would go back and change it because I've discovered so much. And like, it's exactly what you were saying earlier. It, you just realize that you actually do have to take care of yourself. And it it doesn't mean you have to sort of you know, eat nothing but organic food every single day of your life. It, it, it's, it's more about just take, yeah, like being mindful about yourself and take, yeah, taking care. <laughs> taking care, um, yeah. Enjoying yeah, life, and, but, you know, having things with, with, with balance, having a balance. It, exactly. And um, I, I don't know, it's like, it's not like I'm a qualified doctor or physio or anything <laughs> and I tell people how to magically fix their back injuries, but it's just, for me, it was so helpful to know that there were people around me that, that just knew that just the sharing of that knowledge of not having to explain with words what you're going through and just knowing that out there, there's someone you can reach out to and you can, they'll just be like, yeah, man, I know. And you know that they know is, is that's, that's, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. You're, you're never alone whatever you're going through yeah that is huge for me to know that oh there's other people in my exact same shoes feeling the same way the universe is cruel to lots of us 
it's it gives just, us the opportunity to grow. Yeah, it's just the the cards you get out of the pile, and sometimes they're not not full houses. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's it's just sometimes you've you've got unpleasant times, and you just get through it and uh, hope that they don't come back again. <laughs> yeah. Or if they we do, live in an age that you know your your story is possible because you know 200 years ago it had been a very different story yeah and even 20 years ago i almost certainly would have been operated on and the mm. success rates of those types of operations are not good oh, um <laughs> and uh the for herniated discs yeah like 20 years ago or 10 20 years ago they would uh just uh take the discs out and put um basically plastic ones in and for some people, this was this was great, and it worked really well. And for a lot of people, it didn't. And uh, because if the nerve damage is there, it's there. And then the problem is also just the success rate of such an operation is about 50-50, or at least it's what it was when they proposed it to my dad. Um, and he was like, I don't think so. I think I'll wait it out. Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and when it's uh, you, when it's uh, your lower back, it, I mean, it's paraplegia on a good day and it's just i don't know that doesn't sound good at all and uh i i managed to get through it with physiotherapy and and i mean to be honest a a lot of opiates but i mean i'll take that over open surgery <laughs> man i i i just appreciate you coming on and talking about it um and you know no one no one on this show has ever qualified hardly ever to you know they're not and I had degrees in what we're talking about in their adventures. You know, I, I certainly don't have any sort of communications qualifications or, or <laughs> podcasting anything. It's just a microphone and a laptop. So, you know, it's, it's, there's the common wisdom that's shared with everyone that we all just kind of feed off of each other and understand each other. But, uh, um, you, you're, you're nothing you've said is, a prescription or anything so everything you've said has been positive and, and just wonderful for people to hear who are going through something like this so thank you thanks no thank you i mean the podcast has been fantastic for me i discovered it about two years into my recovery and uh i was just like oh this is amazing and i i think uh i must have listened to a few episodes and then i came across one where it was some kind of para athlete who'd done something insane, like crossing the States on a bike or something and, um, I, something like that. And I was just like, this is incredible. And, uh, it just really motivated me. And, and it was, I, yeah, I just really, really love the podcast. And I don't know, it's a, it's a fantastic thing you're doing, just sharing the stories and it's so positive. Thank you so much. I mean, we, we, we love to do it and there, you know, keep listening. Cause we have a few already in the queue that are awesome coming up with, just stories you wouldn't believe. And it's just unbelievable to hear what kind of like you, what daily life is like and how, how far your dreams see a, seem, how far away they seem at times. And then <laughs> you work your way back to them in a, in a new and unique and, and different way, of course, but it's not the end of the world. No. And I think important. that's, that's the important message is that it may seem like the end of the road when you're when you're you've had this injury and and things are horrible but and it's easy to look at people who are years down the line and be like well they like they're out of it now but i mean the road is really long and it's important to just 
plot along it, I think, and not stop. Just keep going. <laughs> you, it's, you just got to keep going. That's all yeah. you can do. You cannot stop. <laughs> even yeah. if it's slow, you just got to Even if it's slow, I was slow. <laughs> yeah. But look where, you know, Kurt, uh, he, he used to host the show a lot. You probably listen to him a lot. He always tells me something because we're, we're good friends. Um, he's always says, uh, 15 minutes a day can move mountains. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, 15 minutes is nothing each day. But if I did something once every day for 15 minutes, I could, you can change the world with 15 minutes a day. You can change your world. That's so true. That's a really, that's a really good sort of mantra to have. Yeah, I think, it, and, it, and it was because it, we were tackling some big project with the show and he's just like, I don't have much time, but I can devote 15 minutes. And honestly, the momentum of just about, just all kinds of things you can imagine have been built on those small increments day after day. Yeah, I mean, your, your 20 minute stretches, you know, that's, you know, that's 20 minutes, but still it's not very much time. <laughs> but it's 20 minutes and, and it, it, it allows me to walk around. That's unreal. <laughs> and, but it's 20 minutes every day for years. Yeah. It's, but you just, it's just got to become part of your day. It's like people, you know, you have a cup of coffee. I have tea in the morning, but I do my stretches as well. It's like, I have tea. I do my stretches. I get wow. going. Yeah. It's just, it's just part of life. That is fantastic. Well, Astrid, I am, I am about to run out of time. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Well, th thank you for letting me. <laughs> Yeah, and have a great day and keep up the great work. Thank you. You too. All right. All right. See you. See you. All right. Bye. Bye. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventure sports podcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.